Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a really special, different kind of episode for you. So we know it's Valentine's Day week, and that is a holiday that can bring up a lot around grief. And not just for people who are grieving the death of a partner or a spouse, because Valentine's Day counts for everybody and also discounts for everybody if it's just not a holiday that you're into. And this year, I wanted to go back to a concept that was um, gifted to me from my friend and colleague, Alicia Alexander. Uh, Alicia joined me on episode 162, and she was talking about the idea of love stories and how important they are as part of our grief. So today what you're going to hear is a variety of people telling their love story. And their love story might be about a partner, it might be about a parent, it might be about a child or a sibling. And keeping in mind that love doesn't mean just one thing. Love can be the love that we see typecast as warm and cozy and puppies and kittens. And also sometimes love is a lack of love or uh, love that's conflicted or ambivalent. So if you're tuning in and you're like, I didn't have this like amazing loving relationship with the person in my life who died, it's okay. This episode is for you as well. So since this idea was not mine, it was Alicia's, I invited Alicia back. Alicia, thank you for being here for this uh, intro to our episode. Well, thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited at how this idea has kind of morphed and uh, given birth to this episode. So this is incredible to be back with you. And I know we talked a little bit about love stories in our episode 162, but for today, just sitting here in this moment... Why do love stories matter in our grief? Well, I I think love stories matter, period. In thinking about what we talked about, the thing that I think is so incredible about the universality of grief is that love is at the foundation of that universality. Like that's what makes it common across culture, worldview, type of death, um, is just that awareness around that something that I love, something that was important to me is now gone. And where does that love go? And I love that you said that this love can be defined in any way. Love stories and grief are to me the same thing as a grief narrative. Because whether your relationship was conflicted or complex, complicated, um, you know, in the words of Facebook, it's complicated. Like (laughs) no matter what that is, it's a real part of how we get to the business of grief is by starting with, there was love here once. Uh, There is love remaining. There is connection remaining. And there's something for me to do now. And that's to continue to get to the story of love. So, so Alicia, what what I ended up doing is I asked our listeners to record clips of themselves 
answering one of three questions. One of the questions was, how did your person love you? The second question was, how did you love your person? And then the third question was, how did you meet or fall in love? Which could also count for parents and children and siblings, right? Not just partners for that piece of it. And in in listening to them, you know, I really heard a little bit of what you said of like, what do I do with this love now? Like I have this love. It doesn't just end when the person dies. What, What do I do with it? So there's some clips listeners that talk about that. And then there's other clips that talk about just how unique the way people felt loved or expressed love and how that was so important and individual to that specific relationship. And so I wonder with that in mind, you know, we talked about why do love stories matter and why do they matter in grief? And what's your take? And Kahlo, this is where you might come in too, to share a little bit with us of what, why, what helps? Like, why do kids and teens need to know the love story when they're grieving, when someone in their life has died? Yeah, those are great questions. I got goosebumps actually hearing them. And I, I just have to tell you, I, I love the bravery inherent in talking about love and grief in the same breath, in the same conversation, in the same kind of dimension, because so often we're taught to separate those things in some way, which is like, you know, you love them so much and now it's time to move on. This was what happened and now it's time to move on. There are other things, there are other people to meet, there are other experiences to have. This idea that a continuing bond and that a continuing love narrative uh, wouldn't be helpful is confusing to me as a clinician, as a you know person that supports people who are living with loss. I think about how actually little time we spend after the first kind of psychoeducational part of an activity or a meeting or an intervention on grief. Most of the time we spend talking about love. We spend that time talking about memories, um, smells, things that they said, things that they'll miss. What, you know, what will you always remember? What are you afraid to forget? You know, all of those things are about love. And so giving kids, giving each other permission to, to go there, to answer questions like that, like, how did you meet? How did you fall in love? I think it's so powerful. And especially when I'm thinking about kids and, and my own kid, my own young adult, my own young alien is um, <laughs> here with us. And, you know, it's, you know, going back to that episode that was uh, just a couple of weeks after her father had died. It was a tough show in particular for me because I was thinking a lot about your questions through her eyes. And so that's why I I sprung her on you today because I wanted (laughs) for her to be able to talk about the love story that she knows about her father and myself and how that has made her feel, Um, whether it's made her (laughs) very weirded out because she's always like, oh my God, mom, I want to know that he was that for you, right? But like there is a... um, a shift, I think, in how open I feel we've been able to become about relationship and about what it is to connect that that love, whether it 
spans the the globe, the lifetime, you know, what we think forever is supposed to be, or it ends up in a divorce or other changes, other losses, it, they still matter. And I think kids get lost in that when they're just seeing us do our divorce thing. You know, they're just seeing us grieve or be angry or be sad or giving confusing messages around pickup or, you know, your dad's new girlfriend or, you know, like there's, and I think kids really, really can benefit more from more honest conversations about their origin. Well, it makes me think about what happens often in grief is that we get so focused on the ending that the beginning and the living in the middle gets lost. And, and Kala, what, what is it meant for you to know the love story between your mom and your dad? I think for me, it's humanized both my parents. I think so often we get caught up in who's the hero and the villain in our stories because our parents play such an integral part to who we are growing up that if a parent isn't around or if you only hear one part of the story, you can so easily put them in that role forever. And that can really set you back on your own work, especially after a parent is gone because you're only left with those parts of the story. And so I think hearing my mom and my dad's love story has also taken the guilt away from grieving my dad because I know that there's a lot of broken, a lot of not so great parts of me, um, of my mom and my dad's relationship, but it's never felt like I've had to disown my dad or any of his kids or even my stepmother. I think it's given me the freedom to love all of my family. And I don't think I would have gotten that if I had only heard the about the breakup and not the romance and the reconnecting and all of that, even though it is definitely weird. (laughs) It's definitely sometimes like, ew, I don't want to hear that. It's uncomfortable, but you learn when you lose someone that those are the really important parts. Well, thank you so much, Kahlo, for coming and, and giving us a little bit more of a personal context to this idea that has kind of grown out of the original conversation that you and I had, Alicia. And You know, listeners, as I said, you're going to be hearing about all kinds of different love in this episode and knowing that there's space for whatever love you had or wished you had had with your person who died and that there's space for you on Valentine's Day in your grief. So Alicia and Kahlo, thank you so much for for coming on to do this intro with me today. Thank you. And we send our love to all of the listeners and to you. And thank you so much. This is a It's been an incredible experience to talk with you at different points in our grief. And uh, that's felt loving. So thank you. Okay, listeners, here it comes, the episode to you. I didn't do a lot of editing or putting my own lens or perspective on this. So these are the, the raw stories from our listeners. So thank you for being part of this episode with us today. Hello, my name is Kao Kalia Yang, and I have a short love story for my Uncle Sai. He passed away on December 9th, 2020 from COVID-19, like so many others around the country and across the world. My Uncle Sai met me long before I met him. I remember being two or three or four or five or six. I remember 
the walk in Banvinai refugee camp from the house we shared with many other families down to the well, the communal well. I remember how I would pull my plastic bucket along on a rope. I remember how every day without fail, like the hands of a clock, my uncle would come out of his hut, kneel down to where I stood, and he would ask me, Did you love me yesterday? Do you love me today? Will you love me tomorrow? The right answer then was always yes, yes, and yes. And the right answer now, a month and some days after his passing, is still the same. I loved him yesterday. I love him today. And I will love him tomorrow. Thank you for listening. My name is Darwin Dave, and my love story is about my mother, Dolores. I can sum up the way my mother loved me in one word. Sacrifice. You see, when I was 10 years old, my father was murdered in a convenience store that was owned and operated by my parents. And from the time that he died, she made sure that her entire focus in life was on one person, and that was me. She sacrificed higher-paying jobs so she could be home when I got home from school so that we could have time together as a family. She turned away advances from other men when I know that at certain times she probably wanted male companionship, but she didn't think that that was right to introduce maybe someone else into our family dynamic based on how my father died and how young I was when he died. But most importantly, she was always there to make sure that I stayed on track as a young man growing up. Whenever I felt lost about life, whenever I was unsure about where things were going, and whenever I needed someone to just sort of walk me away from the ledge of sort of going crazy, just trying to put together all the pieces and understand exactly why the things happened to our family, and specifically my father that happened, she was always there to make sure that I had someone to talk to, someone that would understand my situation and how I felt. And even when I got older in life, she was always there to make sure that, well, as all parents do, to give me her opinions about what she thought about what I was doing, what I should be doing, or what I could be doing better. And since I've lost her two years ago, that is the biggest piece that is missing in my life. My mother's love was unconditional. I remember when I was about six years old, seeing that some of my friends wore glasses and I thought they looked cool. So I also wanted glasses, even though I didn't need them. So during a visit to the pediatrician, I pretended to not be able to read the letters clearly so that I would be referred to an optometrist. And I was. My mom took off work to take me to the optometrist appointment and I remember sitting in the waiting area reading magazines and being so happy already thinking about the kind of frames I wanted. Little did I know that an optometrist is actually able to tell whether or not you need glasses so I passed the vision test and the ophthalmoscopy with flying colors. At the end of the visit, the optometrist ended up telling my mom that I didn't eat glasses and had perfect vision. I started crying because one, I wasn't going to get my glasses and two, I had just wasted so many people's time. My mom said, tell me the truth. Did you pretend to not be able to see just so that you could get glasses? 
And there I was, tears running down my face, admitting my perfectly constructed plan. I was terrified and expected the scolding of my life, but my mom at that moment looked at me with such compassion. She said, if you wanted glasses, you could have just told me. She then took me to Walmart so I could pick out any glasses I wanted. I ended up choosing these baby blue Minnie Mouse sunglasses and wore them happily all the way home. And that's how my mother, Maria Alvarez Flores, loved me. Hey, this is Elena, and this is my love story about my dad, Justin. Um, When my dad died, I didn't know what to do with my love for him for a long time. And it was like this huge part of my heart was locked away, saved for him. It was saved for somebody that I wouldn't be able to physically get to see, hold, or kiss again in my lifetime. I struggled with my own anxiety over death. And when dad died, I was scared for him. I mean, he was this person I inherited my love for life from. I feel like it wasn't until recently that I recognized how I was holding back on giving and receiving love, not only to him, but to the people around me. And now, instead of sending my love for him into this unknown abyss of anxiety and death and fear, I find ways to still love him by doing things he enjoyed on earth and also celebrating life in all of its forms. I hug trees that smell like him. I try to memorize every detail of the view at the top of a hike to tell him about later. And I let myself feel the pain of missing him because I know that it comes from the immense love that we had for each other. And I love you, Dad, more and more every day. I'm Camilla, and my story is about my mom. My mom loved me through her cooking comforting and delicious meals like mac and cheese and coconut curry. She loved me with her big, gripping hugs, the smell of her sweet perfume filling my nose. She loved me by encouraging me and being someone I could rely on for wisdom and advice. She had a joyous laugh and would love me in all the silliness. She loved me by listening to my heartbreak, to my wins, to my fears, and to my excitement. She was beyond accepting. She delighted in my company, and I always felt it. Well, I I knew I had found the woman of my dreams the night Claire sat down with me to watch Twin Peaks in my tiny basement apartment. Neither of us had watched TV in a long time. There was grad school and all that stuff, then came Twin Peaks. This all happened in Washington, D.C., where we taught college. Back then, D.C. was crawling with lawyers and Republicans and beady-eyed lobbyists. Everyone drives a BMW. No coffee shops, few bookstores. The metro is full of groomed faces, plus the Gulf War is just around the corner. So the woman of my dream sits down on my floral sofa. It's April 1990, a Sunday night. We should both be grading papers, but no way. I turn on TV for the first time in a decade. The slow-motion waterfall fades up under the neon green opening credit roll. The owls are not what they seem, we're told. Evil lurks everywhere. We both look at each other with bright eyes when Sheriff Truman crams a giant bear claw into his mouth. 
Caught in an awkward moment, the sheriff struggles to swallow the pastry, but to no avail. Everyone, in fact, is eating donuts, Andy and Lucy too. Agent Cooper then walks in with important news on Laura Palmer's murder. But the sheriff continues with his bear claw, the camera holding on that hard-working jaw of Michael Octane for what seemed like an hour. So Claire looks at me and I look at her. There was a twinkle in her eye that traveled across dimensions. The smile we'll share will become the smile of a lifetime. My name is Amanda Tafoya. My mom is Lorraine Tafoya. And she passed on January 3rd, 2021, just one day following her 67th birthday. (laughs) My mom was a social worker, all around badass for 45 plus years. She was funny and compassionate. She loved politics, that woman. My mom loved me by communicating with me openly, by consistently sharing her joy with me, by telling me she loved me, by being honest when it was hard, by fighting with me, by making fun of me. My mom loved me. There's no denying how much. I loved my mom, and I don't think there would have been any amount of time that would have been enough to share that love with her. Jermaine here, one half of Thinking Out Loud, and my love stories with my mom. My mom was the best person that I knew, the best person that looked after me, and how did I love her? acts of service you know my way of showing my mom I I loved that was you know always doing what I needed to do for her always going above and beyond to get what she needs to get what she wants you know always making sure have you done this today do you need this what do you need for me you know it wasn't really a conventional thing of you know I love you mom love you mom of course I did love my mom don't get me wrong um you know but my way of showing as a son showing how I, I adored her we're just going to make sure that, you know, she's, I'm always looking after her. I always make sure that she's, she's not stressing about anything. She's not worried about anything. You want to look after your mum. You know, that's one, that's always number one. That's always priority, you know. So that sense of, um, I would say, being able to do that was hard when she was no longer here. It was hard and it still is hard, you know. But to this day, I always have it in my heart. She'll always be remembered. And that's my story. Hi, my name is Jessie, and the person who I lost in my life is my mother. She passed away in October of 2020. And I've been thinking a lot about this idea of falling in love with my mother and her falling in love with me. I feel like we did it over and over again in different ways throughout my life and hers. Obviously, there's that childhood love you have for a parent and a, a child, and then the as I grew older and we separated a bit in high school and college and we kind of came back together when her most recent health diagnosis of cancer about eight years ago. After losing my dad, I grew an even deeper appreciation for my mom and her life and her illness as well. 
And so I really do feel like we had that precious time to fall in love again as adults. The way that we were able to appreciate and love each other was so tender and so um, sacred as I'm reflecting on her life and on our time together. I've been reading a a book that's been so comforting for me that kind of talks about the idea of the soul choosing when they die and that my mother possibly died of happiness because her soul had lived out its contract to be able to be seen as she truly was and to see me as I truly am and for us to be able to experience that kind of unbound love and appreciation for each other. The book says it much more beautifully than that, but yeah, my love for her and her love for me was so great that her soul was able to fly free when it did. So, Hi, my name is Renee and this is my love story synopsis with my late husband, Steve. I am 60 years old now and he's been gone for 15 years. We met when we were teenagers and I was his first girlfriend. We had a really nice relationship until he turned 21 and then uh, he dumped me (laughs) and I wasn't too happy about that. Um, When he got around 30 and losing his hair, he decided to um, pick our relationship back up. We had some children. We had a lovely, lovely life together and... February of 2006, I took my 18-year-old daughter to San Francisco for her 18th birthday, (laughs) and he had a heart attack and died on the back porch while I was gone, and my 12-year-old was there by herself and had to deal with that trauma, and our life got turned upside down, and one of the many things I felt for a long time was anger at him because of what happened. Um, That's definitely has subsided over the years. My daughters and I are pretty close, but there was something about the relationship of the two of us. I loved it when people would come up to say that we had such a love story because we fell in love when we were young and we went apart and then got back together and had this wonderful family and then it just got blown up by him dying. Um, I'll always love him. I am kind of pissed at him still after 15 years of all the things that he's missed over the years. Um, So anyway... It's a complicated love story, but it's an awesome one, and I'm glad that it's mine. Hi, this is Carmel Brannock. My mother, Kathleen, loved me in all the best ways from the moment I was born. Due to be born on Christmas Day back in Ireland in the 70s, I delayed my arrival by a week. In early January, my mother found herself in the hospital preparing to birth me in a time and place where fathers were not witness to any of the ordeal. 
Our house was without electricity those first days of my life as a result of unfortunate weather conditions. A severe frost crusted the narrow roads leading to our house on the day I left Galway Hospital. Wrapped in blankets and clutched tightly to my mother's chest, I relished the warmth of her body. I cried and shuddered at the cold, but I slept too, even as the water from our well froze and my mother worked to keep a fire blazing in our living room. From my first days on earth, my mother's love was evident. An aunt told me my mother used to say that I was her little angel. Taking care of her family was her priority. She showed her love for me and how she made pink curtains and bedspreads, especially for my bedroom, surprised me with dolls, cooked and baked delicious foods for us to eat, and tucked me into bed each night. Her love came through in her gentle warnings that I not talk to strangers, the basic self-defense tips she showed me as a child, and in how she taught me to have respect for myself and my body while encouraging me to speak up for myself. She invented games for us to play, got us bunny rabbits as pets, and took us on mystery tours. She welcomed my friends into our home, was consistently nurturing and kind, sang and danced with us, and encouraged our creativity. She died when I was 11. My mother chose a loyal and caring husband in my father, and so after she died, she left us with the gift of the most dependable, gentle, loving dad anyone could hope for. My mother's love and memory lives on in all of us who knew and loved her. Hi, uh, my name's Zach. I am 21 years old, and I lost my mom about um, a little over a year and a half ago in a car accident. And when I think of how she loved me and in turn how that's kind of transformed into both the ways I love now and um, how I loved her, I really think of just from as a child, the love was really focused around just a lot of compassion and a lot of unconditional support and love and kindness, you know, and I was always told how important I was as a child and how much my mom loved me and um, in many instances how proud she was for me, whether or not that's me um, not getting the best grade on a test or if that was me playing the drums um, in our tiny house really loud, even though I'm sure it drove her crazy. Um, I always felt like she was really proud of what I did and that I was valued and I think that's so important and along with that just a lot of actions that she would do even if she didn't want to do things you know like mothers do and we kind of expect them to just do stuff for other for their children right but don't realize how much they're sacrificing and how much of an act of love that is um so that's kind of what I think of and I also think of the way that um as a queer person you know, my love for people is kind of affected by the loss of my mom before we were um, completely at a page where she was okay with my sexuality. And um, I think of how difficult it is in relationships, knowing that I've grown so much in the year and a half that since she's been gone in terms of love and sexuality and knowing that she doesn't get to see that 
I think is hard. And knowing that the people I'm in a relationship don't get to learn what she was like, don't get to see her, and she doesn't get to grow with me in terms of what it's like having a queer child. And I don't get to see her love my partners as I love them. His name was Mateo. I will share about a time, a day in my life I seldom speak of. The day he died, I wasn't there. I was at an art show where every single piece of art felt like home, like forever and thereafter. There were mountains, rivers, jungles, dancing in swirls across the canvas, like suns and moons, like infinite extensions of you. Then I got the call and I don't remember what was said. I only remember seeing shades of red. My papi had died and I wasn't there. And sometimes I can't bring myself to say I wasn't there, I wasn't there, I wasn't there. But in life, you loved me so. In fact, you often told me so. And in dreams, you have reminded me that you didn't want me there to watch you go. And you say the things I'd often hear. I don't want you to watch me fade away. I'm okay. Estoy muy bien. So go out, enjoy the show. I'll be here for you waiting after. Papi, I don't know when we'll meet again. But in the meantime, I'm building worlds, entire galaxies with words, with music, with all of my heart. All of my art created just for you. Until we see each other again, Papi, I love you. My name is Michelle Beam, and this is my love story about my mom, Christine Starbeam. My mom loved me as a precious creation, as many mothers do. Since she died, I've been thinking a lot about preciousness. One story she told me about loving me through preciousness was a story of finding out that she had conceived. From the very beginning, once she found out, she did everything she could do to nurture me. At the time, that meant eating lots of fruits and vegetables, not drinking alcohol, not drinking caffeine, exercising daily. She did everything she was told to do. And she did it with a certain intention, which she later conveyed to me was just a way of expressing love. I think about her actions in moments when I have difficulty finding self-compassion or for nurturing myself. There was a person in this world who loved me so much that she cared for our bodies when mine was only a few cells. It is a great gift to be loved that way. I feel a deep sense of preciousness now for her and for the lives that she touched in this world. She loved a lot of people with the same sense of preciousness. She often saw the potential in people before they could see it in themselves. I think that preciousness is one of the most beautiful ways that we love one another. Hi, this is Melissa Gould, and this is my love story about my husband, Joel. Um, We met when I was 19 years old. We worked at a record company together in Los Angeles, where I live, um, I was 19 and Joel was 23 or 24. It was my summer job and it was his real job. And I just knew the day that we met, he was somebody I wanted to have in my life. He was so cool and so funny and so nice. And he just had a great way about him and a great energy but the timing was always off. He was in a relationship or I was in a relationship, but I came to learn that 
I wanted to marry somebody just like him. I had no idea that it would be him, but years after we met, we ran into each other at a Dodger game at Dodger Stadium. I had never been to a baseball game before. I came to learn that Joel was a lifelong Dodger fan and had season tickets, but it was so out of context seeing him there. Um, You know, we both were in the music industry, so had we run into each other at a concert or a show, that would have made much more sense. But seeing him at that Dodger game sort of sparked something, but again, the timing was off. And it would be another year or two until our paths crossed, but this time, um, the timing was right. And we fell in love and admitted that we both always sort of pined for one another all of those years. And we were married and had a family and were together for about 16 years. He's been gone for about seven years, but I still feel like he's my husband. I still feel like we are married, even though my life has moved forward, but our love still remains. And that has been the greatest gift Hi, my name is Brianne Griebel, and my love story is about my mom, Jaylene. Uh, the way that my mom loved me, she loved me in so, so many ways, but I think of it most through her laughter. She loved me in her laughter. My mom laughed all the time. She laughed easily, which was one of my favorite things about her. You could always make her laugh. And I could make a, a stupid joke or, oh my God, even like fart noises or <laughs> something of that nature. Um, and I think, you know, even if I wasn't all that, you know, actually funny, I think something in her just knew, you know, that was an opportunity to connect. That was an opportunity to find at least a little bit of joy, a little bit of lightness. And um, her laughter is what I am going to remember about her most, probably. I still hear her laughter even though she's gone. Uh, when I think of my mom and I think of a memory, the sound of her laugh is most definitely a part of that. So that's my love story about my mom. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share it. Hi, my name is Satkar, and this is a story about my mom who died almost 22 years ago. While it was always clear that my mom loved me, she wasn't prone to expressing her love through words. It came through more in her day-to-day actions of caretaking and worrying over mine and my siblings' overall well-being. She wasn't the type of person to point out scenery or a beautiful sunrise. But when I was in eighth grade, I attended a religious education class and our parents were tasked with writing us love letters. I still have those letters and occasionally reread my mom's when I want a tangible way to feel connected to her. I thought I would share with you the beginning of her letter and her postscript. A small but important detail, there's a drawing of an otter in the ocean on the stationery she used. Here's how her letter begins. Where should I start? I guess your birth would be a good place on a beautiful, sunny spring morning shortly after sunrise. Dad commented on the rising sun as we went to the hospital. I always think of you as being a bright, sunny person. Your smile and inner happiness lights up your whole face 
and frequently lights up the world of the people around you. And then she ends with, This little otter reminds me of you, popping out of the water to see the great big world. Enjoy every minute of it. Love, Mom. One other important fact, my mom died before I became a mother myself. And as I read this letter now, her expression of love and willingness to share a bit of her interior life, which she frequently kept hidden from me, feels like a connection from her as a mom to me as a mom. Thank you for listening. Hey, I'm Natalie Adams, and this is my love story about my dad. Even though I knew my dad since the day I was born, I only began to deeply connect with him when I was older through our greatest similarity, our sense of humor. One of the last memories I have with dad is at a kid's birthday party. Now, this kid's birthday party was at one of those strip mall party places that kids find absolutely fascinating, while adults and older kids like me found it slightly weird. While everyone else around us was kind of trying to ignore the weird part, that's what dad and I focused on. We sat there making jokes about how crazy the place we were in was, and I have this vivid memory of him sitting across from me laughing and in that moment, even though we were surrounded by so many people, I remember feeling like it was just the two of us. That was how dad and I showed love, by sharing our humor. I didn't realize that until after dad's funeral though. I went through his desk and I found a stack of cards with jokes on them. I read through the cards, laughing and crying at the same time. Laughing because, well, the jokes were really funny, but crying because I suddenly realized that the one person who would find those jokes as funny as me wasn't here anymore. Now, whenever I tell a joke, I imagine that dad's sitting across from me like he was at that birthday party, a big smile on his face and his laugh memorialized in my mind forever. Okay, everyone, that brings us to the end of our love story, griefy Valentine's grief out loud special episode. We're so grateful to everyone who contributed to this episode for sharing so openly about your person and about the love that you shared and about the unique ways that they loved you. An extra special thanks to Alicia Alexander and her daughter Kahlo for coming on and doing the introduction and for uh, germinating this idea. So thank you again to both of you. And everyone out there who's listening, we're so grateful that you're a part of our community. If you want to share this episode with anyone that you think might be helped by it, please do. You can find all of our past episodes at our website, dougy.org forward slash grief out loud. And you can reach out to me directly if you'd like to at griefoutloud at dougie.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.